Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. As always, Tina Matthews. How's it going, Tina? It's going well. How are you guys today? <laughs> it's good. The weather has definitely changed. Um, yeah. My cheeks are a little okay. windburned. Yeah, right. That's okay. That's why we go outside in the morning in less than, you know, needed clothing. Still appropriate clothing. <laughs> yes. You can feel the temperature <laughs> difference in clothes. Enough to just make your neighbors go, what are they what? doing? Yeah. <laughs> what and why right exactly yeah so all right you ready to get started yes we have an exciting episode this week talking yes. about food and fermentation and why light matters but before we get started we just want to remind everybody that this is not medical advice this is just a conversation on our opinions absolutely with some facts to back it up yes <laughs> but again, yeah, always the conversation. Yeah. So let's get started here. And we know that light is always the true medicine. Like that is like of importance, but clearly we still need to eat. So yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, that was a paradigm shift where, you know, for so many years we're obsessing over what we're eating and how what we're eating could cure us, but it's twofold because we need the right light and we also need the right food. I think we're getting to a point where people are like, it's just the light that matters or it's just the food that matters, but it's both. Yeah, it's that's a great, balance. yeah, that's, that's the, I think that's a really great point that you make there. Like that it, I have to have my light, but I, I do have to eat too. And I need, it, it just keeps, it's like that cycle that just keeps, they balance each other out obviously. And then I think when you get your light right, 
it's interesting how it changes your appetite. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it is. And you know, it's like we went through, you know, we just went through summer and it's like, oh my gosh, I was really craving all of those seasonal vegetables. And it's that idea too, that I think you just become in tune to your light, to your sunlight, and you want it to match what you're eating because it does create that kind of like circadian disruption. So have you noticed that too? I have. I notice, um, like you said, like craving the more seasonal foods, especially eggs in the summer for some reason for me. You're right. And so it's interesting though, as the weather has started to change and we had some really warm days this past week and I just couldn't get into soup yet even though it's something that I'm really looking forward to. Like I really like soup, but you just kind of see that shift in, okay, it's cold. Maybe I need to use some things to help me be warm. And with that comes all of those extra nutrients, like your collagens and just like the, the nutrients and vitamins that we get from like bone broths and just different nutrients from you know, meat, because you kind of shift into, well, the fall, you're still getting those squashes and you're getting all those, those great root vegetables. Yeah. And I don't know if you've, if I like try to like analyze it, you know? And so I see that in, in the fall and in the spring, you see a lot of bitters and you see a lot of high fiber stuff as, as it's like nature saying, all right, you got to clear some stuff out because we're about to have a season of meat and cheese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're going more like ketogenic t- style eating in the winter, which yeah. is, and it's kind of Yeah. Speaking from the ancestral lens. Yeah. Um, we are going into a more ketogenic season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We are going into more of a ketogenic season. And uh, it's just interesting, like when you really start to pay attention to light. So yeah, when we're talking about ultraviolet light and we see that it's abundant in the summertime, you know, it, it does afford us to be able to eat that because we're having that where it's matching where we live. It's just really kind of a, a, a neat process. But then as we move into fall now, you start to see that kind of stuff really dissipate. You see that UV light really, it starts to, to shrink in the, you have to be outside for quite some time to, to get it, you know, like that, or even to make vitamin D. Um, but that's a whole other subject, but it's just really, it's just really interesting when you start to pay attention to the cycles, you know, and for people who are new to like, who are like, what the heck is circadian (laughs) eating? It's like, this was like a, another paradigm shift, but the, the light that your food is grown under the, the food is able to store that light and then it's transferred to your body. So food is light and food is information. And when we eat them, that gets transferred to us. So like Nicole said, if we're under one type of light and we're eating another type of light, that's a circadian mismatch. And depending on how much information you're dealing with, it does make a difference. It, it absolutely does because I, you know, the summertime, it is a time of abundance. It is a time of I can be outside and I can burn the candle at both ends. But as we move into fall and winter, then it becomes the exact opposite of that, where light is really not with us long and I don't have as much food available. It's that kind of like right. food scarcity thing, which I would never, ever say to like children, 
you know, no. I don't want them to ever be afraid that I am going to be without food. It's just maybe my food changes a little bit, you know, like how do you approach that with, with children? So for me with the kids, we try to do as much local and seasonal as we can, but they're kids. Like they had strawberries for dinner with dinner last night. Right. Right. And that's obviously not seasonal, but they're kids and they're growing. And the other part of seasonal eating is that food grown under like higher UV UV light contains more deuterium, which we can do deplete the deuterium when we're out in the sun, which is why we can get away with it so much better in the summertime. And in the wintertime, it's harder for us to deplete the deuterium and it slows down our mitochondria. But kids need deuterium because it's a growth factor. So I don't really worry about it with the kids. Yeah, I just try to like... If if I'm like, I clearly I am making their meals. And so if I clearly have the hand in that and so I can influence... Sneak those little seasonal things in, and I shouldn't say sneak because my kids are well aware. I I don't try to fool them with what we're eating, but um, I mean the occasional onion is snuck in from time to time, which goes over with great, great dismay, you know. Um, But (laughs) that's my kids and the mushrooms. Oh gosh, don't try to put mushrooms in everything because it's it's the only vegetable the two year old will eat because she can't see them. So. Blend them in with some ground beef or something. I do. I do. <laughs> but yeah, you know, though, I think that circadian style eating, there has to be levels to all this because somebody was talking to me about it the other day. She's like, oh, I didn't know that I should be even doing this. Should I not be eating? You know, but I love my mango or my banana in the in the winter. And you eat I it. shouldn't be doing that. And I was like, no, 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 no. We can't. You can't go into it because you have to have your circadian rhythm first. Yes. So that that is key because then you kind of find the cravings for those things to start to go away. However, when you do have a craving for something, I'm always a firm believer in you got to eat it. Yeah. Because and your body's like, I might need something right now. There's a reason you're getting that message. Yeah. And Jack Cruz, I can't remember which... I was listening to a podcast he did, and he said, if your circadian rhythm is strong, you can eat whatever you want. Like, not McDonald's, but, like, yeah, yeah. from a seasonal perspective, like, you're going to be okay because your mitochondria are going to repair during the night. Right, exactly. Yeah, so it's not giving you, like, leeway to eat, you know, with total disregard to anything, you know, anything that we would know to be, you know, healthy of what your opinion is of healthy. Uh, But yeah, it's just a really interesting thing to kind of, kind of play around with, you know, like, and, and you even start small because at first I was like, well, could I just make one meal that's been locally sourced, you know? And then that kind of, it kind of, this is going to sound kind of nerdy, but it's kind of fun to me. Like I, I, I like going around and, you know, talking with all these people and, uh, yeah, I, that's my idea of fun. And it's, it doesn't have to be that hard either. It, it can just be going to the farmer's market and whatever's at your farmer's market. Well, that's all seasonal. And honestly, right. it's no more expensive than the grocery store anymore. So why well, not? Yeah. And I know that even our like local orchards and farms and stuff, they offer, you know, discounts for, for people that might be short on money or, you know, just like that. that I think kind they of, take, that um, 
those what's it, EBT or whatever, like the food stamps. Yes. I think they accept yes. those too. Yes, absolutely. I know a lot of them do. Okay, so moving on, let's get right into some food and maybe let's take an ancestral approach to this and kind of see if we can mesh the two. That's kind of the other side of the circadian style eating is this is what ancestrally people did because they weren't able to ship foods from across the world. So they were eating what was seasonal and local to them. And there was also a difference in the way that they were preparing their grains. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's that whole idea of I can soak sour or or sprout them because when I'm doing that, I am making it, I'm, I'm almost pre-digesting it before I digest it. Yes. And it, so it does make things a little easier for you. Yeah. And it adds in, you know, the good bacteria and the prebiotics, which feed our good bacteria. And it lowers the phytic acid and the gluten content if you're, you know, souring wheat. Right. Because the, the phytic acid, it, it inhibits the absorption of like Minerals. magnesium and zinc and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you're just kind of, it's kind of makes it an anti-nutrient, but grains themselves, I know they get such a bad rap. Like they I feel do. bad for like grains and potatoes and rice and, you know, like. But when you have so kids. Good. Yeah. They become they a need, Yeah. And if you have a large family. Yeah. Like. And they're it, affordable. Right. And this right. is coming from somebody whose kids have had like gut issues on top of gut issues and more gut issues. Right. And, you know, nutrient absorption problems. I found that properly preparing the grains has been like the biggest game changer or one of the biggest game changers. Yeah. And I don't think that you can ignore glyphosate in this conversation either no. when you're talking about like wheat. Because we know that it's a heavily sprayed crop and we know that glyphosate interferes with glycine, the absorption of glycine. And you you can't ignore that. So if I am getting an organic heritage style uh, wheat or rye or something like that, how is that going to impact me any differently? And it's interesting that you've been able to kind of introduce these things back in and so far so good. Yeah, so it, I, it was it's kind of scary at first, but absolutely. the kids are doing great. So, I mean, we were yeah. gluten-free for three or four years, and we started adding in, like, the sourdough, organic sourdough yeah. made at home, and yeah. so far, so good. Yeah, and it's kind of, like, I again, it's fun. it's fun, you know? It's, like, for me, like, I am not an artsy person at all. Like, musically, you're, you know, drawing, like, anything like that. But my gosh, when I make, like, a fresh loaf of bread, I would just want to be like, look, look, look what I, I did. I this. You see what I did? Like, yeah, you have to send a picture to somebody. <laughs> right, exactly. And I, I know, and I've read this somewhere, too, that adding butter on top of it and honey, because honey is going to help the breakdown of it even more, making it more digestible. I think... I think there's like a, a something like you have to let it sit for like 15 minutes. But I mean, who's who's doing that? But nonetheless, I mean, you moms can even, do. Yeah, right. Get ourselves <laughs> my, a plate. Forget about with it. Like cold coffee. Yeah, but yeah. But like, there are things that have been done for 
centuries, possibly thousands of years that were just kind of forgotten along the way. Yeah, because food became more convenient and more processed and we just, we didn't have to make it anymore. So we didn't learn how. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so whenever you're preparing um, grains of any kind, soaking in something like a sourdough or um, like a sourdough starter of some sort. And um, if you're soaking like, oh, Oh my gosh, I just forgot. What, what about oats? Oh, oats. Same thing. Oats. Same thing. You can soak that in a mixture of like water and a milk kefir or a whey or even a yogurt. And it's just going to, again, it's pre-digesting and it's kind of breaking down that phytic acid. And so, so I guess this is the part you can like educate me on, but so we should be soaking in something soured. In something soured, yeah, something okay. that that's fermented, and so okay. it's that symbiotic relationship between that yeast and that bacteria, and it's not producing. So something like milk kefir isn't go. It has beneficial enzymes that are eating up all of like the lactose and stuff. Okay, and, and the so, phytic acid that's what gets rid of yeah. that. <clears throat> and so okay. it's that beneficial yeast and bacteria that yeast, like what is it, candida, isn't going to feed off of. Okay, yeah. So that makes it, sense. It, right, and so even something like milk kefir is something that people who are lactose intolerant could experiment with, because the lactose is being eaten. And you make the milk kefir with raw milk. I do. I okay. do. And uh, that will be my next project. One thing that I always consider is if somebody is telling me that something is dangerous from one of these organizations, I tend to look into the other side of the story. Um, You want to get both sides and make an informed decision. And and if you think like, no, I'm not going to do that, then don't do it. And don't do it. Exactly. Right. You do what's best for you. Wrong with you, then don't do it. Right. Exactly. The I found that like the raw milk farms, they're typically smaller herds and they're like yeah. part of the family. They're really loved and right. they, they can even, yeah. there's like strips, you can test the milk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's just something to, and this goes for all of you, all food about being able to go to where the animal or the plants or whatever it is and vegetables have been grown and just being able to take a look for yourself. Or just to be able to ask questions, you know, like just to be able to have that personal responsibility to be able to have a hand into what you're eating and where you're sourcing it from. So that's my two cents. I mean, how many E. coli cases are there every year from like lettuce? I mean, I feel like you're taking a risk. I don't know. You risk is there. Yeah, especially if you're getting like lettuce that is already like small pieces of lettuce that have been packed. I think your risk is much higher there than let's say you're getting a thing of romaine and then cutting yeah. it yourself. Uh, you know, a, a, a great movie to watch or a documentary is Food Inc. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. It's really great kind of eye opening. A few years ago, I might have, but I can't. It's it's older by at this point, but it's definitely something to look into. And and two, like kind of going back to where we were with even raw milk and grains and stuff. It's still not something that I eat daily. You know what I mean? There is still such thing as if 
like raw milk is great. Should I have it every day? Right. Or you know I, what I mean? Like, you know, over, you can overdo it on anything, yeah, even healthy absolutely. things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm looking at like my son who has like a thyroid issue, he probably shouldn't be having gluten every day. You know, give his body a chance to clear it. And then we see what happens from, from there. I mean, trust me, I could have a piece of fresh bread every single day of my life. Me too. <laughs> right? Like it's like, oh. That's been my biggest issue with mm. making sourdough is like trying to not overdo eating the sourdough. Like, yes, it's good for you, but do I want to eat it breakfast, lunch, and dinner? <laughs> also, yes, but I shouldn't. <laughs> yes, I do. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, but, and it's, yeah, it's a consistent thing that my kids like. Like every single one of them loves it. And, and so, when you have a lot of kids, that's gold. It's something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean we just – I soak a bunch of things. Like, you know, I make sourdough. Uh, the other day I made some zucchini bread and I soak that in milk kefir too for about 8 to 12 hours. And again, it's just that pre-digestion. It's, it's – you know, making it go from something that could potentially be an anti-nutrient to something that is full because we can't deny that grains are beneficial vitamins and mineral wise too. So I'm definitely making a case for grains. Yeah. And so, cause we were gluten-free for so long, I started, it started just not sitting well with me because we don't have celiac and yeah. I know we needed to get rid of it to seal up uh, my son's gut lining, but then you're reading the ingredients and it's like, okay, I could pick this thing that's organic wheat and it's soured and, or I could pick this processed rice flour with xanthan right? gum and I, right. eventually yeah. you have to be like, what's the better choice? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, it's like you said, like there is a time for gluten-free, but for me, like I, and I see extreme value in cooking from scratch and it's definitely difficult. I mean, I know that there's a ton of information out there now on gluten-free breads and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, at some point, if I have a laundry list of ingredients. Right. And if the ingredients themselves are a little right. questionable. Right. With, you it, know, yeah. they do have seed oils and yeah. they don't taste as good. So, and no. they're more expensive. So yeah, we're trying the gluten and I will report back if we have to switch back to gluten-free. So that way I'm not like a big hypocrite, but. <laughs> but again, I'll be honest. Looking, yeah. It's looking at it from the point of all things in moderation. Yeah. You know, and, and we were talking before the show and it's like the whole thing of like liver and organ meat. Is that something that I should be having daily and like obsessing over even weekly? Or could I look at it from the perspective of once a month? Right. From or, the ancestral lens. Right. Right. Liver wasn't available every day. And I think people are really overdoing it. And that's a personal yeah. opinion. You know, if you want to eat liver every day. Yeah. But I guess I that's your choice to make. But it, it is because it is, you know, it, the main thing that you're looking at, a ton of, don't, don't get me wrong, ton of vitamins and minerals in it. But if I'm looking at it from the idea of like vitamin A, which is something that everybody kind of obsesses over, I think it is fat soluble. And so even something like cod liver oil, sure, but is it something that I should be giving myself or my children 
daily or even weekly or even biweekly, you know, like we do have to think about the buildup in the body because it's right. It's not cleaned out every day. Let's put it that way. So it's just food for thought, you know? Yeah. We try to work liver in typically once a month and we don't do like a crazy amount of it. Same. I usually get like a, uh, like a ground beef blend. And it has yeah. heart, kidney, and liver in it. And then make like some meatballs. Or I'll puree up some liver with some onion and then put it into meatballs or a meatloaf or something. And yeah. It's you know, not the most just, palatable either. Like, uh, no. I'm, now, my I'm, husband loves it. Does my he husband, really? Oh, he loves it. You know what I really like, though? I really like chicken hearts. <laughs> I have not tried that. Chicken hearts on a skewer. With salt and pepper, and then we have a charcoal grill on a charcoal Ooh. grill with then you put pesto on it. And that would be good. It's like a little like popper of some sort. I actually like those, and it doesn't have that like oh metallic taste to it. That's it, that's where I struggle with with liver. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think a lot of people are like that though. I'll be honest. I'm not a big fan of liver. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. It's got to be blended into something because, oh, the texture. The texture is rough, too. The texture is rough. And you know what's funny? Little funny story. Like, I, my dad likes liver. And so we cooked liver. And then I did, um, oh, the chicken hearts one night. And I thought for sure he would like them. But he was like, oh, that's, no, I'm not eating that. That's (laughs) I was like, Dad, come on. Like, you could try it, you know? And here's our, like, eight-year-old over there, and she's going, you know, popping them in her mouth. She's like, they're good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, so. Yeah. But yeah. Speaking of, like, grandpas, another side note, my stepdad told me that you, like, I don't know if this is true. So, like, just forewarning everybody. But I've heard that you can't eat polar bear liver because it's so high in vitamin A that it would, like, kill you I don't know if that's true but I've heard that that's interesting I mean just think about though how they live you know like right but that's so interesting I wonder if it's like that for all bears maybe not because they're getting like more seasonable foods they have live in a more seasonable like four seasons type thing you know right like and yeah these animals are living in cold so I bet they're not getting like berries in Right. Like nothing like super high in fiber. Nothing's like really moving out. That's interesting. I'm going to have to look into that now. I know. Should I Google it right now? (laughs) (laughs) We'll report back. How about that? (laughs) We'll report back. But then something else to think about. And honestly, this is why I started like I started fermenting with water kefir. Have you ever heard of that? I have never. And heard so of that. it's like these little like gelatinous grains, I guess you could say. And you just ferment it with water and then a sugar of your choice. And then it starts to get, you know, kind of bubbly. It's producing that carbonation type thing. And uh, just remember when you're doing like water kefir or even kombucha, the sugar is not for you. It's for the either the, the scoby or, right, it's to feed the the gelatinous mixture that it makes. Yeah. Um, but that's how I started because I wanted to save money because I don't know if you looked at kombucha lately, but it's like $5 a bottle here and for just a one serving bottle. And so that's why I got into it. And then because, you know, money and uh, 
Well, yeah, and when I mean, you're like just... reading the ingredients, a lot of these kombuchas now are yeah. like stevia. And I'm, yep. I just have such a bad feeling about any sort of artificial sweetener. Like I know stevia is an herb, but there are studies showing hormonal oh. imbalances that you can get from consuming too much of it. Absolutely. It's just like, if we want something sweet, let's just make it natural. Yeah, for sure. And like stevia is what, like a thousand times more sweet than, sweet sugar? than sugar. Yeah. And what was I reading? Um, I'm going to have to find it here. Um, oh, I'm going to have to look back onto it. On the difference between like sugar and like honey and stuff, it actually creates more glucuronic acid, I think, which is Bennett, like when you're making kombucha. So that's just something to think about because <laughs> I don't have the exact thing, but I know that's what it is. I don't know why that's important though. I'll have to look into that, but we can report back on that too. We have so many things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, and then when it comes to like blood sugar and sugars, yeah, it's like everybody is different. So like some people will get higher readings from honey than they will maple syrup and then vice yeah. versa. And same with like potatoes versus pasta. So it's like, you can't say one thing is better than another thing because you just have to know what works for your own body. That's a really great point. Like, honestly, yeah. it is because everybody is, ah, oh, it can be so different. Like it can yeah. just be and everybody way. wants to preach like their way is the right way. And it's like, no, it was the right way for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, 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 I think it really comes down to like, can we really influence anything more than like proper preparation? Are you getting enough fiber still in your diet? And are you eating enough to maintain your life? Right. You know, like, I feel like that is like the basis of diet advice in this. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the other part of seasonal eating is and ancestrally thinking about it is they were doing, they weren't living the same life in the winter that they lived in the summer where we yeah. are, we're still expected right. to go to work. So there are going to be like differences and nuances and we can't like starve ourselves if our body's like, I right. need an apple. Right. Right. Isn't that something to think about though? Like that's incredible. Or like to think about, cause I, I think too, on those same lines that like you just said, they weren't living those same lives that we are now where you're expected to just be the same person yeah. every single day at such a high level of, you know, I'm going to go after this day and we're going to every single day. Like that's just, that's incredible. But I also think back to, and we're going to kind of come full circle here with this thought. They were living such a connected life. You know, yes. and I even think back to when you could even go back to when electricity was invented and it made its way into homes. They were still living a way more connected life than what we are now. Yeah. You know, like way more connected. And it's just like just the idea of working outside, making contact with the earth, right. that whole. Yeah. So it's just. Or like their, like our work and their work it's so different because they were working to sustain themselves through the winter. Right. Right. Like if they didn't prepare well enough and work hard enough in the summer, in the fall, well, then good luck. Yeah. yeah. Or if it was like a, you know, that was a drought or something, you know, that's, that's hardship, but they, they, they somehow made do because we are here right now, you right. know, <laughs> or someone in your lineage made do and we are here right now. So. It's crazy to think about like what would we do if 
there weren't grocery stores and there wasn't like electricity or we had to like chop our own wood like I don't even know if we know how to chop wood I think you would I mean we'd figure it out right yeah I funny story my husband got an axe for Christmas one year (laughs) I love it (laughs) It's this oddly wrapped thing that my dad had gotten him because he had heard him say, I don't even have an axe. And so, of course, that's what he got for a Christmas present that year. And uh, sure enough, you know how to chop wood. It might take some practice, but. And those are probably muscles that you're not typically using, too. Yeah. You definitely know how to use a hatchet. Like a small, small little axe. Yeah, Yeah. I could use it. Yeah. Yeah. We took out some trees in front of our house, and uh, our kids are pretty good at it. Oh it gosh. took some, like, you know, don't think I'm a bad parent or we're bad parents. But, like, that's there has to be risk, you know. And, and they, they do have they to learn how doing. to safely use tools. And they had to yell clear before they started using it. So, uh, I mean, they were chopping up roots and stuff, like big roots and stuff. So, Yeah, they weren't chopping down a whole giant, giant tree. Yeah, exactly. So Because I don't know how to use an axe. Yeah. Well, that could be your goal. That could be my Christmas present. (laughs) It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. So. Okay. But yeah, but go ahead. Well, I was just thinking like going back to the fermenting and the sourdough, um, I'm still kind of learning how to do it. And you're a seasoned expert. Hmm. So when you're feeding your sourdough, are you switching out the jar every time? I don't. I know a lot of people do, and I can see why. I know some people do it. Like if you follow people on Instagram and stuff, they're doing it a lot of reasons for um, the quality of like a picture or aesthetically looking because it gets a little messy. When it starts to like for me, when it starts to get stuck on the rim is whenever I'm like, okay, I got to change it out. But but that's me. And I think if you're using it frequently, I think you're you're fine. Okay. So, yeah. And then whatever you don't want, you can just get rid of. I have so much sourdough discard in my fridge right now because I'm like, I'm not going to throw this away. But, like, I made, like, five starters. <laughs> so I couldn't cook that much sourdough. But I was like, they're probably going to die. So I might as well just make, like, five just in case because maybe one will survive. And they all lived. And then you feed them every day. And then there's, like. I know you can make something, I don't know, I can't remember the name of it, but you take your, your, your active sourdough discard and you can fry it in like Ooh. ghee or butter or something like that. And you can add whatever seasonings you want. And I'm, I, I think it makes like a flatbread of some sort. Well, like a little cracker type. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be good. Sourdough so, pancakes go. were the easiest thing I made because it's like one cup of discard two cups of flour and then all the other pancake stuff and you don't have to let it rise yep and they're so good they're so so good good. that's i think that's maybe all i'm gonna make from now on because it turned out the best and they freeze pretty well so that's what i I was thinking yeah i make like i'll do double batches often of of things and then i just freeze and then that way when i have absolutely nothing for like anything it's that's a quick meal for us yeah so but yeah, it's something that you just kind of practice, you know, like you do have to fail a bunch. Like when I first started making like a traditional sourdough that only has, you know, flour, water, sourdough, and salt, and it's more of like a, a, a harder crust to it, I failed a bunch. It still tasted good. I just couldn't get it to, to look the way that I wanted it to make 
or wanted it to look. Right. So yeah, the bread that I made was kind of dense, but it was good, but it was heavy. Yeah. And you start to learn like how humidity affects it. And did I add too much water or did I do like in the summertime, it gets a little more complicated because things, it, it ferments quick, you know? And so then maybe you learn to put it in the refrigerator to slow it down a little bit. Or, um, the thing that I really like right now is experimenting with, um, exposing both my starter and then whatever I'm making to either sunlight or moonlight. And, uh, I know that sounds really nerdy too. I mean, when we know that these things affect our bodies, we can't just think that they don't affect anything else. Right. Like right. the moon affects the oceans. Yeah. Right. And it affects like your body. True. Oh, what? No, like a year ago I said that because I was like, oh, it's the full moon, which explains why the kids are acting like lunatics. Right. And he's like, well, that's not true. And I was like, well, yes, it, it is. It affects water. Anything with water. Yeah, it was a you whole know? like Google it situation. Well, yeah, I mean, just think about even a, a female's body and who like when you cycle with the moon or you cycle with the new moon or, you know, it's that kind of stuff. And it's to me, I'm just like, wow, that is <laughs> me too. I got into like this weird habit of like asking the women that I'm close to, like if that <laughs> happens to them, which is like so weird. It's so personal, but it's like, I just want to know, like, am I the only one or like, what does this mean? And your husband's like pulling you away. Okay, not this like, person. Stop, you cannot stop asking my sisters. <laughs> but it was interesting because I never knew it. But when you're not on, I think, like when you're not on birth control, you do cycle with one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, it's Which quite fascinating. way off topic. This was supposed to be about food. Yeah. Well, hey, that's what you get when you have conversation, right? Right. So. Might be a good place to wrap it up. How about that? <laughs> now that we're getting way off topic. Yes. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I think this is whole, this is a really good conversation because, again, going back to where we started, there are levels to a circadian lifestyle. There are levels to it. And the, the biggest thing to start with is getting your circadian rhythm back on track. And if you don't quite know how to do that, what was it? Our first episode, maybe? Second episode? It was explaining what it is, what circadian yeah. rhythm. And there's and tons of resources, books. And I mean, not to be weird, but like Instagram has become this great place of decentralized learning. And it's yeah. like, it sounds so dumb to be like, oh, I learned this on Instagram. But <laughs> if people are using it for these purposes, like you yeah. have to find the right people. Yeah, absolutely. It, and then once your circadian rhythm is strong, um, start experimenting with food with, with the introduction of seasonal food, get out there and meet your farmers, you know? Right. And like, I think a big thing that we want to stress is, um, not feeling guilty. There's no food guilt. Like if you want to have a treat, have, have your treat. If you want something that's not seasonal, have that, but keep your circadian rhythm strong. And this is not like dogma or shame. No, not at all. It's just about feeling your best. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly. And, and that's the thing, like my husband asked me all the time, like, what do you tell people about this? It's like, do you want to feel better? Yeah. Do you want to feel better? And I, I, I think we all do. Like we all want to sleep better. You know, we all want to have kind of like that anxiousness kind of, or have a place to go when I feel anxious. And it turns out it's outside. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's those little changes. So yeah. 
think that's good. Good place All to right. end. Well, yep. we will be back with you guys next week. And in the meantime, just go outside. Absolutely. Have a great week, everyone.